0: Hello and welcome to General Broadcast, the podcast from the East of England Ambulance Service for the Ambulance Service. Here we look at clinical skills, best practice, learning from incidents and new innovations in East and beyond. Always remembering that on every call, on every shift, there's a patient who needs our help. This week we're talking respect. The new forms are being rolled out in parts of the East of England, giving clinicians more information than ever about what a patient wants when they're unwell. To talk us through what this means, clinical lead Damon Weddon from East sat down with Dr Caroline Barry, who's spearheading the rollout of the forms in parts of Norfolk. So welcome to the East of England Ambulance Service uh, podcast. My name's Damon Wedden, I'm one of the clinical leads, and today we've got Dr Caroline Barry from the Norfolk and Norwich Hospital. Welcome, Caroline. Thank
1: you, good to be here.
0: Uh, Today we're going to talk about respect. I was just wondering, could you just give us a bit of a background about yourself, Caroline? Would that be okay?
1: Of course, yeah. So I'm a consultant in palliative medicine, so I see people living with long-term conditions and advanced illness across Norfolk, and I support them by giving symptom control advice, psychological support for them and their families, and also practical advice about what the future might bring. So I work full-time in the hospital, but for the past 18 months I've also been involved in introducing this process across Norfolk.
0: Okay, so Caroline, we need to talk about RESPECT. I think it'd be really useful to have a bit of background for our staff from RESPECT about what it is.
1: Yeah, so it's a really exciting initiative. It's been nationally produced by the Resuscitation Council. RESPECT stands for the Recommended Summary Plan for Emergency Care and Treatment. Uh, what that means in practice is that it's a personalised process. And it results in a document that contains a person's wishes and care preferences alongside appropriate clinical recommendations so that in an emergency situation, ambulance crews and other healthcare professionals know what a treatment a patient may or may not want.
0: Okay, so, so it's, a, it's a form that is a benefit of patients, but ultimately will benefit the ambulance staff.
1: That's right, and the idea is that it will standardise documentation across Norfolk, so that it doesn't matter whereabouts you are, actually um, the healthcare professionals that are attending you will recognise the form and know that it is a valid document to tell you what action to take in an emergency situation. Okay
0: so what does respect look like what's the the, it's a it's a i'm I'm led to believe it's a a purple backgrounded form
1: that's right so it's a it's a one page but two-sided form it's Very much a purple document so all the branding you'll see will be lilac in colour um, and it will be a patient held document so just as perhaps when you've been having a baby you would have your maternity records and you'd always keep those close at hand. The idea is that this would be used in a similar way and a patient would have them to hand in an emergency situation.
0: Great and who's respect for? Specifically?
1: Well, actually, anyone can have a respect form, including young children, if it's necessary, but it's particularly relevant for people living with long term conditions, with particular health needs, maybe people who might be at risk of a sudden deterioration. And I suppose the other group of people for whom it might be particularly useful is those people who've got really strong wishes or feelings about what they want, perhaps the sort of pe- person who may have written them down in an advanced directive um, in times gone by.
0: So it's not just end of life, it's, it transcends across quite
1: a patient group Yeah, I mean the idea behind the RESPECT process is that it's empowering on patients to tell us what treatment they want to receive and that might include being for resuscitation or for um, admission to hospital in an emergency situation or it may be that someone would prefer to receive care in their own home
0: Okay, great. And will we be writing those forms as part of the ambulance service?
1: So the idea is that the form would be completed when someone's relatively well by someone who knows them well so that you can have a good quality conversation about treatment options available. So the idea is that really in in an emergency situation it would be the ambulance crews responding to the form and making emergency decisions. But ideally the form would be completed by a senior um, clinician involved in that person's care. So often that might be a medical consultant in an outpatient, setting a GP or a senior nurse that's had the relevant training to do so
0: okay that's great you've mentioned how it respect benefits patients is there any evidence for it
1: so the respect process was actually developed over a number of years by the resuscitation council alongside a lot of other organizations and they very much took an evidence-based approach to looking at best practice nationally and internationally It went through an extensive public consultation and there were actually 22 different versions of the form and its title before the current version was decided upon. It's also subject to a National Institute of Health uh, Research evaluation, so as time goes on we'll have a bit more information about uh, the evidence of how it works in practice.
0: When do you expect us to start seeing some of these forms in the community as paramedics?
1: Well, I mean, that's very much why I'm here today, because this is a process that will change over a period of time. We're likely to see people leaving the hospitals in Norfolk, particularly the Norfolk and Norwich Hospital and the James Paget Hospital fairly soon after implementation date. In terms of forms that are being written in people's home by primary care district nurses, perhaps, or specialist nurses... I think it would probably take a, a little bit longer for us to see all of those coming through. But I think the important message for Cruz is that you may well see forms very soon if you haven't already.
0: Okay. So you've spoken about the benefit for patients. How do you think respect will benefit ambulance crews?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's pretty clear, actually, that if you come into someone's house and you've got a one-page summary of clinical recommendations perhaps regarding antibiotics or ventilation, that's really going to help decision-making in an emergency situation where you haven't got a lot of time to try and do what's best for the patient. I think the other advantages is that the respect process will really encourage forward-thinking by patients, their carers and healthcare professionals, so that you've got some really clear information about how and why a patient might deteriorate and what can be gained by giving medical treatment in that situation. I think having better conversations with patients and families means that people are better informed about the goals of care and what you're trying to achieve when you have an ambulance crew in the house. So I think it will be easier for crews to make a decision in that person's best interest in those situations.
0: Yeah I certainly agree with you there Cameron and I think it will definitely help support decision making at times of crisis where perhaps the patient may not have capacity. That's and I right. think that will really help our crews. Just around the legal ramifications because we have a we always have this issue with DNA CPRs and so on and so forth. Can you just tell us is respect a legal document so this
1: is really important point because i know if you're making a decision in an emergency situation you've got to be very clear that you're doing the right thing for the patient haven't you Uh, but the, the respect form it's a bit of a myth about a dna cpr a do not resuscitate form that it's a legally binding document it's not a legally binding document and it doesn't replace clinical decision making at the bedside for the respect form, it's important that that information is taken into account. It's important that's given a lot of weight, but it's not legally binding on the crews. If they feel a different course of action is more appropriate, it's important they use their clinical judgment in that situation.
0: No, absolutely. And leading on from DNA CPRs, we've had a, a lot of issues with the form with regard to a, a black and white copy versus a wet signature. How does respect? fit in does, with that does it have to be an original purple coloured copy for the patient to have one
1: so the important thing is that it, it, it doesn't mm. but what I'm trying to get across in all the education we're doing is that it really isn't advisable to have hundreds of photocopies floating around right. that's going to introduce the er, er, sort of element of uncertainty mm. and that's that's not what we want um, so it's also may create issues with version control if we've got lots of photocopies flying around Having said that, in an emergency situation, if a patient has got a black and white copy to hand, that does need to be considered valid unless you've got good reason to think otherwise.
0: Because they would have had that conversation, there would have been some advanced care planning.
1: Absolutely. So I think what's really difficult is that if you know you're very motivated to have your wishes and treatments documented you've got your clinical recommendations from your gp written there it becomes a very important document and what we all do with important documents like passports and birth certificates is we photocopy them so we feel we've got a backup plan i don't want people to feel that it's not valid unless they've got the original form Uh, but equally um, we need to be careful about version control but the headline is if it is a photocopy but you think it's valid you go ahead and treat it as a valid form
0: so who actually writes this respect form Who's responsible for it?
1: Well, the respect document should really be completed by a doctor or another approved um, clinician, such as a specialist nurse who's had the relevant training. Any doctor or other approved clinician can complete the documentation following a conversation with the patient or with their loved ones if they lack capacity. I think it's you know it's important that this is done by someone senior involved in their care, but actually anyone can start the conversation, including more junior members of. Staff, but it's important that when recommendations are made, particularly around resuscitation status, so that's been discussed with what is referred to as a senior responsible clinician. In reality, that's likely to be a consultant or a GP.
0: Right, okay. Um, so, Caroline, um, if a patient from another area, which isn't Norfolk or Cambridge, um, wants a respect form, could
1: they could they have one? To get to the stage where we're implementing at the moment, it's been about 18 months in the making and the reason why it's taken quite a long time to do this is we need to make sure that all healthcare professionals uh, working uh, alongside patients with illnesses know what a respect form is when they come across it and that the policy and governance is in place to support that. So if a patient wants to have a respect form but it's not used in their local area we would encourage them to talk to their GP about that But at the moment, it probably wouldn't be available as an option to them until their local area has formally adopted Respect.
0: OK, so you've mentioned around the Respect form about the authorisation to sign it, i.e. a consultant or GP or someone in charge of their care. Does it have a review date on it at all?
1: So in Section 9, which is just at the bottom of the second page of the form... There is a space for doctors to sign to say that the form is still valid. So that might be when someone is readmitted to hospital. So, for example, if someone had a respect form to say they wanted to receive care at home and then they ended up in the emergency department, it might be a good time to revisit the respect form and check whether actually that's still what they want. If it is still valid, they can sign the form. If not, uh, then a new form might have to be completed. But what we don't say is that it has to be routinely reviewed because then what happens is it's somewhat arbitrary. And For example, if the review date's passed by a month, then that introduces an element of uncertainty at the bedside as to whether the form is still valid.
0: Um, I suppose one of the issues that we have within the Amp Service with DNA CPR, and I I know I'm making the reference to DNA CPR, sometimes the original doesn't follow the patient. What's your view on that?
1: Well, as I said before, I can understand why photocopies are made and certainly, for example, if someone was resident in a care home and the respect form form part of their care plan I can understand why a care home manager or a nurse may want to hold on to that original form as evidence that the conversation has taken place but it's really important to note that this is a patient held document and it's designed to communicate in an emergency situation what medical treatment should take place so clearly if the patient is leaving a care setting to access for example, care in a hospital, that original form should follow the patient so that those doctors and nurses at the front door are really clear about what the care and treatment preferences are
0: so effectively the patient owns that form the
1: patient as I said a bit like the maternity notes the idea is it stays with the patient obviously if the care home or the person's relatives want to take a copy for their own records that's fine but it's important because actually as I said when someone comes into hospital the recommendations may well change they might have scans which change the goals of care so it's likely or at least possible that someone may then leave hospital with a totally different looking respect form in which case you've then got two forms in existence
0: Okay. so I'm just trying to think of some questions that may come up from our staff sure. and and if someone had an advanced decision to refuse treatment or a health and well-being lpa um, how does that work in relation to respect
1: so this is really important and i think again people got to be really clear on this a, a completed respect form does not constitute a legally binding refusal of treatment so it's used as a guide for mm-hmm. best interest decision making in an emergency setting and it can cover life-sustaining treatment but because it's more of an expression of people's wishes and values, it, it, it's more what the mental capacity act might call an advanced statement right. rather than an advanced decision to refuse treatment. So an advanced decision to refuse treatment, or ADRT, some people might call them a living will, is legally binding. So if someone has written an ADRT, an example might be a Jehovah's Witness who might want to refuse blood products, I would advise them to keep their ADRT with the Respect form and make sure that the RESPECT form clearly states that they have a, an ADRT. Yep. I would also recommend that all crews who come across this situation should familiarise themselves with their local guidance and know how to access further help if needed.
0: Absolutely, and that's perhaps where our clinical advice line may be have to give some advice to our staff. Um, so RESPECT is a physical document. Is it on a digital platform at this stage?
1: Well, I suppose the question is, what digital platform might that be? I know in Norfolk there's a lot of work in terms of digital strategies to have electronic records that we can all access, whether we're a hospital consultant or a paramedic. But I think the reality is that's some time off. There is a modifiable PDF document. So if people are working in a setting where they want to type the form and print it out, I'm thinking about GP surgeries, that is an option. But for the time being... Essentially, it will be patient-held paper records. Okay,
0: so it'll be a physical document that staff will be able to access in patients' homes. So, a bit like asking for any advanced care planning, like um, a place of care or a place of death or a DNA CPR form, it will be kept in that advanced care planning document. That's
1: right. But the reason why it's important, for example, if a patient's gone into a hospital setting and come out with the form, it can still be coded on the GP electronic system. So, for example, System 1, then the GP can... Put electronic codes in place to right. communicate with okay. other providers that a patient has a respect form in the house.
0: Okay, and, and again, we're able to access that via our, our Hear and Treat. Um, service that we we provide fantastic so we've talked about dna cpr in relation to respect um, there is an element of dna cpr within the respect form isn't there that's right um, does it differ from the original dna cpr form
1: oh hugely i mean it's not just a different form it's a totally different way of doing things and um, the idea the key difference i would say is that rather than these decisions just being taken in isolation which to a patient can seem quite bewildering why is this person asking me about cpr when i've just come into a hospital with a chest infection It actually aims to contextualise resuscitation decisions within an overall discussion about plan of care and that's very much the way that national guidance has gone which is actually why we're just making these one-off decisions about CPR. Surely we should be talking to patients about what's important to them, what do they want to get out of treatment or hospital admission. It's also important to note that you can have a respect form and before CPR and So one example I use is some people living with metastatic cancer. Now, a lot of people, when they hear metastatic cancer, will think, oh, goodness, that's me, that's really bad news. But actually, we know there's people living for 10, 20 years uh, with metastatic breast cancer. And so if I was in that position, I would feel quite supported by the idea that I could have a form that says, actually, yeah, give me everything going, thanks. Um, And and that's what the respect form does. But that's not what a DNR form does at the moment. No,
0: exactly. And that that really clarifies that decision-making for our staff. There's also a bit around modified resuscitation that's for children?
1: That's for paediatrics only that's yes. right and I won't say too much about that because I'm, I'm not a paediatric yep. um, physician myself although we're having a lot of support and input from the paediatric teams both within the Norfolk and Norwich Hospital and the children's palliative care services to make sure we have a really clear message about that.
0: Okay and you've mentioned that it's not a legal document so if Cruz had to go against the advice in respect um What actions should be taken?
1: Well, I mean, the first thing to say is that it guides decision-making in an emergency situation if the patient's unable to express things for themselves. So if the patient is at the bedside expressing a different view, of course what the patient tells you should be um, respected. If uh, actually the patient hasn't got capacity, but you still feel you're going to do something um, differently from what's on the respect form, I think it's just really important in your documentation to ensure that it's reflected the reason why you've gone against what in the respect documentation and to ensure you've used clear decision making and again that might be a time where escalating to other colleagues or or taking a view on local guidance may be appropriate yeah
0: so so don't maybe take that um, decision in isolation perhaps have some supportive decision making within that absolutely excellent um so respects for being rolled out in norfolk Does the uptake include uh, acute primary care, out of hours, domiciliary? What what does that look like across Norfolk?
1: Well, obviously, you know, it would be wonderful to go across in one big bang and to have everyone using the form on day one. Uh, The reality is we're a huge geographical area. And although uh, we have got support across the region to implement, it's likely to be a little while until we see all providers 100% uh, using the RESPECT document. And in the meantime, if you come across a DNA CPR form, it's really important to state that that is still valid. Um, so just because we've got the respect process in place doesn't mean that you don't respect a DNA CPR form if it's in existence.
0: Okay, so so technically a patient could, as the rollout begins, they could have a DNA CPR form, but they could also have a respect form alongside that.
1: That's true. I mean, I think there's probably going to be a transition period, which may in fact last a few years, where both systems in place, but over time we're going to see more and more respect forms as the norm.
0: Now, Respect, there's a national driver for Respect. Is the whole country moving to Respect?
1: Well, it's a nationally produced document, but it's down to individual regions to take on and to resource the implementation process. If people want to see how many organisations are using Respect currently, they can go on the Resuscitation Council website and they've got an interactive map which shows all the organisations that have gone across. The areas that haven't adopted respect. The most common reason is those that already have electronic systems that are accessible to everybody because actually if everyone can see what the plan of care is for someone there isn't the same necessity to have a piece of paper in someone's house to say what the plan is
0: okay so Norfolk and Cambridge aren't the first areas to adopt respect within the country oh
1: not by any means
0: okay what is the future for respect I mean how do you see it how do you see it evolving over time
1: well I think again it's important to say this is a process that started a number of years ago now and I think the the reason why it will be sustained and continue to be in use and to evolve is that we know that we need to be better at sharing patients in decision-making. And we know that it's no longer acceptable to sign a DNA CPR form on the front door and not tell a patient about it. It's amazing to think that that was ever the norm, but I think increasingly we now know that actually we should be asking all patients what their wishes and values are, not just making a medical treatment plan. So we're on version two of the RESPECT form at the moment, We'll probably have version 3 in summer sometime in 2020 and I think we'll continue to see uh, versions of it uh, coming coming through the system.
0: And is the form version controlled?
1: Well, there will be amendments, minor amendments to mm. the form over time. So uh, as I say, we're coming on version 2 and version 3 will come over, on. But a bit like the process with the DNA CPR form, the old version will still be valid and applicable, even if a new version has come out. So What we're advising is that if you are faced with more than one version of the document, the one with the most recent date is the valid one. And if it's not clear when they were written, the one that's with the patient is the valid one we're advising people against making amendments to the form so if the goal of care changes if someone is for resuscitation and no longer for resuscitation we do encourage the form to be rewritten rather than crossing out and writing on the same form as that may introduce an element of uncertainty
0: and is there an age limit on respect we talked about the the paediatrics can have respect form is there an age limit on respect for adults
1: no the respect form is designed for use across all ages as i say including paediatrics I
0: And mean, it's it's quite a big document, so it takes quite a lot of input into the, filling the actual document out. And um, we know GPs are busy enough at the moment. Um, how, how, how is this going to be overcome? Who's who? You know, is it just GPs that are responsible for doing this form?
1: Well, I mean, I think in some ways, actually, I disagree with you there because the respect form summarises a lot of different information that would often be documented in quite a lengthy way elsewhere. So not just do not resuscitate, but also advanced care plans, discussions that out of hours providers might have when they're attending the patient, district nursing palliative care visits specialist palliative care appointments so there's a lot of this information that's already recorded but what it isn't done is drawn together in one place so I think although the conversations themselves can take a bit of time it can ultimately save a lot of time and anxiety in an emergency situation not to mention emergency admissions um, if a patient's wishes are established in advance so what we're saying to people is that if you do have people like Uh, palliative care nurses who've had the appropriate level of training want to complete the form in part before discussing it with the senior responsible clinician getting it signed off that is a way that time may be saved
0: okay and how do you see our role as paramedics for instance if we went to a patient um, uh, respect as been adopted within their area but don't have a respect form so under making every contact count um do you feel we have a role within that
1: i certainly think incorporating into almost like a routine part of the conversation when you enter a person's house. Is your mum normally fit and well? Has she got any long term conditions? Any paperwork such as a respect form we need to know about? If we get used to saying those things routinely, it actually becomes part of the norm normal mm. part of a healthcare interaction. And I think getting the idea into the general public that actually this is something that's a really good thing to have on board i think we've all got a role in actually raising awareness
0: absolutely so caroline we've spoken a lot about norfolk um but we haven't really spoken about waveney does waveney encompass the norfolk oh yes
1: absolutely so we are working with partners across the whole of norfolk and waveney out to the east coast uh, including our palliative care services, which are now on from the James Paget downwards, run by St Elizabeth's Hospice in Suffolk. So we are working very closely with those organisations, particularly on the border, because we know that when you introduce a new process, there's understandably a bit of anxiety about which forms are valid, as we've spoken about today. So this will be the whole of the Norfolk and Waveney uh, patch over time. You, that goes yeah, I was board. going to ask
0: you about patients that are border, um, Norfolk and, and Cambridge so some of those patients that may be having specialist care in those areas may end up having a respect form as well but Abs- li- living outside of the Norfolk border yeah, in Cambridgeshire.
1: That's area. right and actually that's why coming and talking to east of england ambulance crew is so important because actually you're going to be the key people who are coming into contact with people who are crossing organizational boundaries and so even if you're someone who predominantly works down in essex you may well come across people from norfolk holding these forms and so wherever you work in the east of england it's really important to have an awareness of respect and what it's all about
0: yeah so i think whether you're in control whether you're a front line whether you're patient transport it you know, it involves all of those areas. That's
1: it? absolutely right.
0: So, Caroline, thank you so much for coming in and talking about respect today. I found that really useful. I'm sure our staff will find it really useful as well. Is there any additional information that our staff can access at all?
1: Well, the first thing I'd recommend is going on the Resuscitation Council website. So, they have developed some really excellent resources that are available to everyone free of charge, and it's a great starting point to see what it's all about. There's some videos on there which are really useful to see how respect works in practice. There's also information leaflets that you can download and hand out if need be. So I would definitely start there. If you want any further information from a Norfolk point of view, look out for information. that's going to be coming on Knowledge Anglia very soon.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We've got some more amazing podcasts lined up with some real experts, so do keep your eyes peeled for that.